Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. This podcast is also brought to you by AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. So on today's episode, we have Tom Harris. This is one of those episodes where I didn't even mind going back to, to edit the audio because it was good just to, to rehear what Tom was saying and, and some of the advice that he was giving. So I think you guys will really enjoy it. Here we go. Um, well, I've, I've been auditing for, uh, internal auditing for uh, quite a few years. I'm currently the, uh, the vice president of internal audit, the chief audit executive for National Cinemedia. Uh, we are at a LLC, half owned by three founding members, AMC, Regal, and Cinemark, and the other half owned by NCMI, which is a publicly traded company. So we have all of the compliance and regulatory stuff as a public company and a very interesting board with our founding members, uh, which, which have their own take on what we should be doing with our organization. So it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun um, managing, so that, managing those. Yeah, so is, is that taking direction from two different areas kind of? Is that what you're getting at? Yeah, you know, uh, I, I think that, um, you know, part of NCMI is owned by Standard General, which is a, uh, a private equity firm. So they, uh, along with the public interests, have a, a strong desire for the organization to, to grow and invest in the future, uh, to explore a lot of digital and online advertising. Uh, the company was set up over 20 years ago with the intent of being kind of a flow through. Uh, we do all of the advertising for the founding members and uh, we're the largest cinema advertising network in the country, one of the largest in the world. And the founding members, you know, their idea was to sell ads uh, during and, and before movie times and then have those revenues flow through the business and, and paid out to the founding members. So they, uh, and of course, cinemas are very cash and capital intensive businesses. So they very much want that cash flow uh, as opposed to Standard General and the public, which would like to see us use that cash to invest and grow. So there's, there's a bit of a, of a, a natural conflict there. Um, you know, all boards are typically have their own personalities and some of their own interests. Uh, so NCM is, is not much different in that respect. But yeah, to your point, it makes for interesting conversations about what we're going to do, what our purpose is, how we're going to grow. Um, and of course, currently, both AMC, Cinemark, and, um, and Regal have announced that they've closed their theaters. So it's going to be right. a very challenging uh, quarter for us in Q2, um, just given the emphasis on, 
on uh, what is it shelter in place or social isolation and, right. and the, the nature of the theaters so um, so that's that's a little bit about NCM I, I started auditing back in the late 1980s and it's been about six years in internal audit and then moved into uh, some operational roles commodity management where I had strategic suppliers at a, at a manufacturing company uh, product management where I had um, some responsibilities for third-party um, uh, peripherals at a PC company, you know, printers and cameras, um, cell phones, those, those kinds of things. And so I spent about eight years doing that. It gives me a really good um, open perspective on what businesses are going through and the kinds of decisions that operating managers need to make. And, and then, of course, uh, you know, how they view internal audit as well. Um, you know, we can, we can be their best friends or, or just a big pain in the backside uh, or, or a little bit of both really. Right. Um, and I've been with NCM for about a year and a half. Um, I, I think I've been auditing for 20, 25 years. And uh, I have, I of course have my uh, um, certified internal audit, certified information systems auditor and the CFE um, uh, chart, uh, charted, what is it? The, uh, Fraud exam, yeah. Fraud examiner, yeah. Certified fraud examiner. The so fraud was, one. That's what I call it. The fraud one. Yeah, the, the fraud one. Yeah. Um, so and have really done a little bit of everything without uh, through internal audit. I've worked at private companies um, that viewed audit as very consultative. We didn't have socks. We didn't have a lot of that regulatory stuff. Um, it was really much about internal audit making the business better. Uh, yeah. Not so much about criticizing the business, but how do we, you know, how do we solve problems? Yeah, more of a process improvement kind of situation. Yeah, yeah, uh, a lot of that as well. Um, and of course, even though you don't have socks, uh, you still have controls, right? Yeah. You still have to manage risks and, and, and mitigate those risks and have the same kinds of conversations with business managers about, you know, why, why what are we going to do when this happens? Or how are we going to solve this problem? So um, that, that was pretty good, pretty good background in, in the private space. I've also been with public companies uh, where SOX and regulatory compliance was a big piece of it. Yep. Um, and the current role right now is, is a great blend of, uh, of both of those things. You know, we certainly have SOX and some regulatory things, even though advertising isn't a highly regulated business, we still have to take care of uh, PCI um, and we have to take care of, of course, consumer data privacy and, and that's an emerging risk for the organization, as, especially as we expand into the digital consumer-facing uh, space. Um, and a lot of different industries. Um, this is my first foray into advertising, uh, media and digital advertising. It's, it's pretty interesting the way we take a very simple business and, and, and try to make it as complicated as possible with how we deliver and, and how we interact with, with our, our clients and brands. Uh, I've also been in um, uh, financial services, uh, banking, manufacturing, mining, uh, medical equipment manufacturing. I did healthcare for for a little while. Uh, a lot of different industries. Learned very a lot about how people think, and and I think that's one of the things I really like about audit is for us to be successful and to help the business, we have to be able to think differently. You know, most people solve different problems using the same kind of, of, of thoughts, yeah. but auditors have to be able to think in a way that relates to people to solve their problems. So that to me is, is just, it's a lot of fun. It's really challenging. 
Yeah, that's an interesting perspective. Um, thinking about what you guys do, you have to have people literally in seats and how the impact of that not happening right now, has that affected your audit plan for Q2 or is it, is it set up in a way to where that's not going to be a huge deal as far as your audit uh, team goes? Uh, I think there's still a lot of unknowns. Um, you know, certainly the, uh, we, we've, got, we've got new risks in terms of just the revenue impacts to the organization and, and the brands that we represent have revenue impacts. And uh, it, it, how we sort that out, it, we, there's a lot we don't know right now. Um, if we can get through this, this, um, this pandemic quickly, then I, I think we'll be much better off. And I, I, you know, personally, I'd rather we just bite the bullet and get it done, you know, shut the country down for 30 days, get it over with and, and move on. Uh, if, it, if it stretches on, I think we're going to have some impacts that, that will affect the audit plan. Um, a lot of our audit plan right now is based around some system implementations that we've had underway for a while. You know, I mentioned the complexity of how we deliver and, and how we interact with the different theaters. We're, we're implementing a, a, a much more digitized approach, a much more integrated system approach with, with uh, our custom software. And one of our risk factors in the, in the 10K talks about our, our reliance on technology. And we're trying to make that a more robust, more integrated approach to how we do that. So we've got, I've got an IT audit manager. Uh, she's great. She's, she's, uh, I brought her in from another organization. I've known her for about five years now. We've, we've interacted, um, essentially a colleague of mine that I was, uh, what I, I like to tell her, I caught her on a bad day and I got her to join our company. <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, very intelligent, very smart, a great dynamic leader within the organization. And her audit plan is all about this system. And some of it is auditing. We've, we've done a key phase review, which is an audit approach for our SQA, um, software quality assurance, and, and our testing of the component levels of, the, of that new software. And some of it is consultative. When we look at our UAT plans and our end-to-end -end testing plans for the organization, um, it's, it's not an audit. We haven't, we, we haven't got to that point in the development cycle yet, but by having her look at end-to-end -end testing, look at the business scenarios that we plan to test, how we're resourced to do that, how the development team interacts with the business and, and we make sure that the requirements that the business is set up, that's very consultative. Um, we're, we're discussing how do we report this, right? We, we really don't have issues coming out of it because as we find stuff, we help the business solve those issues. So it's not like we're gonna have this report that we issue at the end of April that says, you know, here's all the stuff we found wrong. It's going to be, here's all the stuff that we helped fix. Yeah. It, yeah. That, which is great. That's what I was, I was curious. How are you, you know, more or less reporting on that, the issues because you, you don't have them, but you also obviously need to take credit for uh, the value that was added. Yeah, absolutely. And, and a lot of that is, is how well NCM, uh, just the culture of NCM is, is one of the best that I've been at and the way that audit and the teams work together and, and just the collaborative nature. There's a kind of an understanding that we're, we're in this together. We have a common goal. We share common values. And, and we just start with that. You know, we still have the heated debates about, you know, we don't care about that. Yeah, but you, you should because, right? Um, 
the business takes responsibility for the decisions. We provide as much advice and, and, and help as we can, but it's a very open, candid discussions. And, and when we leave the room, no matter how, how hot and heated it became, you know, we walk out the room, we're still friends, we're still colleagues, we, we still have the same values, we still have the, the same ideals about what we're trying to do. And, and it's, I, I always hate to say it, but it's refreshing compared to some of the other organizations where I've looked at and the perception of internal audit. So NCM is a fantastic place to, to, to work and to be an auditor. That culture, that's amazing to have and pretty lucky if I can say so. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and, uh, and, and we are very fortunate and we've, we've been able to do some things differently. Um, and, and we still get the, you know, we still get the occasional person who, you know, says, uh, that, uh, that I'm the only person in the company that it's okay to not like, cause I'm the auditor. And I'm, I'm like, well, wait a minute, why would you not like me? Right. <laughs> so, uh, so you're right. We are very fortunate. We were able to do some things in, in, in ways to solve problems proactively that we couldn't do if we didn't have that culture. Yeah. Um, and to your point about adding value, we, one of the things I started doing at NCM was start tracking um, cost savings, hard cost savings that, that we've been able to bring to the organization. Because generally speaking, our, our CFO, Katie Sherping, um, she announced her retirement. Uh, she's still with the company in a consulting role. Um, I asked her early on when and she hired me, I asked her early on when I started, um, what has internal audit ever done for you? And, and she's a rock star CFO. She's been a CFO for 20 years. She's been at different public companies. Um, she's taken them through uh, through IPOs, she's taken a private. She's, she, you know, she's just seen a lot. She was very candid. She said, you know, generally internal audit doesn't do much for me. Uh, it's something we have to have. It's a cost center. Yep. And, and I was like, wow, what an indictment. So I, I had a conversation with her about what what does it look to change that perception? Um, and and she told me, you know, we what, we spend X number of dollars every year, and what we get out of it is, yes, we have. Uh, internal controls over financial reporting, um, which, by the way, is the same thing that our external auditor is going to tell us. Right. So how do we go from there? Um, and, and I can tell you firsthand that I've worked at audit departments where the SOX testing was just that. You know, you do the SOX testing, you find an exception, here, go fix it, and you walk away. Uh, at NCM, we've come across... Um, We've come across uh, weaknesses within controls that could have had a major impact uh, because we may have had to report it. And rather than just saying, here's your problem, it's how do we fix it? What do we need to do? Negotiating with ex the external auditor on how big of an issue it is, assessing the materiality. Yeah. Negotiating on what a new control should look like. Working with the business to develop that control. Really taking ownership, not not for the overall control framework because clearly management needs to own that, right. but taking ownership of what the problem is and, and solving that. And, and I doing that in, in the year and a half that I've been here, um, conversation that I have with our CFO is, yeah, this is, this is a different approach to audit. It's not something she sees, she's seen before. Since SOX in 2001, I think the profession has really moved away from, from value adding and, and, and we need to get back to that. Yeah. We still yeah. have the, Sorry. go ahead. But I, you know, we still have the responsibility for um, providing that assurance or for management, but there's so much more we can do just because of, of, of the perspective that we have on the business 
and the relationships that we're able to develop. Yeah, the perspective, the relationships, the access horizontally, you know, within those relationships, and then really access to the data, being a uh, data analytics person, you know, that's where I try to add a lot of value is in um, the analytics, the automation, the uh, visualizations, things like that. Um, so I think it's great when you can look outside of tech and still add value, you know, look at look outside of adding a tool uh, to improve a process within the audit itself and then still being able to add value. So um, yeah, you gotta get a good thing going over there. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hope it doesn't stop. <laughs> yeah, so has there been, I guess, first off, how many roughly people do you have on your team? So of, of three people, myself, um, and, and I have the IT audit manager, and then I also have a senior internal auditor. Okay. Uh, the senior auditor, he's uh, an, another person that I've known for five or six years. I brought him into the organization. Um, it, it's almost a disservice to call him a senior auditor. He's, he's, managed, uh, he's managed efforts in consulting, uh, engagements in consulting. He has uh, even ran an audit department at one point in his, in his career. Um, and uh, so he, he's very highly skilled, very technical savvy when it comes to audit. So I'm, I'm fortunate to have him on the team as well. And, and between between those two auditors, we, we cover a lot of ground. Um, and we do a lot of different kinds of projects that, uh, that, that we call them operational audits uh, because we're really looking at how how the business works, not not just testing of controls. Yeah. Um, so there's there's a total of three of us. Um, and I, I kind of I, I wear different hats. Sometimes I'm talking to the board and the senior managers of the organization. Sometimes I'm doing an expense report audit. Um, I'm, I'm doing one of those now. Uh, I do a lot of auditing work and, and basically from the full scale of what happens in an audit department, we all kind of participate in. Um, so we're small, we're lean, but uh, very, very strong professionals on the team. I'm fortunate to have them. Um, we've, you know, the the topic we were touching on is working from home and how that changes things. Um, I really miss, we really miss that human interaction because there's so much value in just sitting down and, and being within, you know, within a, a, a few feet of people and, and, you know, sensing their reaction to things that you talk about and all of those nonverbal cues are, are very important to, to communication. So we miss that, and there's there's really no way to replace that. Uh, even with video conferencing, it's difficult to to pick up on those things. Um, but having said that, um, I'm I'm working from home, um, and will be working from home for several weeks. Jen, uh, IT op manager, she started working from home last week, uh, and and will continue to do so. Um, Doug, he's probably the smartest one. He went to Maui last week, so you know he's he's he he took his laptop. Uh, just in case if, if something happens and he gets stuck in Maui with his family, he can, he can work remotely, right? Because um, we still have stuff we need to get done. Um, at the same time, we've worked remotely pretty regularly um, since I've been at, at NCM. It's, it's a regular kind of ongoing thing, you know, just life, right? You, you have the plumber come over in the afternoon, so you, you work from home that day, and for a couple of hours, you're dealing with whatever thing you got going on, and then you get back online and, and do your work. So we've, we've had this, we've done it regularly, certainly not to this extent. Um, usually once or twice a month, one of us would work from home for whatever reason at all. At all. We were able to, 
structure our schedules so that we would have in-person meetings while we were in the office and, and those, those days at home would be more what I would call the, the you know, the grind it out, um, technical audit work, setting up your, your, your work papers, performing your, your actual technical testing. Um, and, and those were, it was actually more productive because, you know, you, you roll out of bed, get your cup of coffee, get to work. Nobody bothers you. You can really do some intense, thoughtful um, work. To, and then, you know, the next day you come back and I find that historically I actually get more work at, done at home than if I'd have gone to the office. Right. Yep. Um, so it's going to be interesting here as we extend this, um, what, what the differences are going to be. We've still got the same audit plan. We're still assessing it, but given the priorities and the risks, um, you know, there's there's not much that audit can do about a, a prolonged period of time without revenue because the world shut down, right? Yep. Um, but there is something we can do about building processes and helping identify opportunities, and and so that's that's something that we have been doing and are going to continue to do. Hey everyone, thank you for continuing to listen to the show. We want to say thank you again to our sponsors over at AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. So has there been any, any real change in y'all's day-to-day? Yeah, um, uh, there, there is. There's, there's less interaction, um, in, in, and I think that having the people uh, on our team that, that we have, I, I've got a very high level of trust with them. Um, I, I've worked at other companies when we would work from home and I, I would get a call from my boss you know, every 20 or 30 minutes. Uh, you know, wanting to know the progress I'm making. And, and that's, you know, that, that's very counterproductive. With the two folks I've got working for, for us, just whatever they need to do, they're going to take care of it. Yeah. I, I, I don't have any questions about productivity. I don't have any questions about the quality of work and, and their capabilities. So, um, but I still miss them, right? I, I, I still like being able to walk down the hall and, and go into their office and, and talk about stuff, whether it's uh, we need to water the plants or, <laughs> or some, some gnarly problem that, that we're trying to solve with, within a system development. You know, it's, it, it's difficult to have that. I mean, I can still pick up the phone now and call them, but it would be different. Right? Yeah, it's just not the same. It's not the same, yeah. yeah. And I think that's where it, it might be interesting after this thing's all said and done, because I think there's going to be some advancement in the um the idea of working from home even just i've seen you know these zoom happy hours type things that teams are doing um that i think there's going to be some kind of cool stuff that comes out of it but then i also hopefully what i'm what happens is people start to recognize like you need the human interaction and the idea of working from home all the time isn't something that kind of sticks because it's uh like we're not built like that as human beings like we need that and fortunately um you know i've got my wife and kid here so there's some there but for the 
20, 30, whatever, whatever, um, single person at home, it's, I think it's going to get really brutal for them over the next couple of weeks, depending on how this thing goes. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, and, and it's, it's challenging. Um, and, and I think, uh, I was talking with our tax, our VP of tax, um, earlier this week about there's going to be a certain group of employees that no matter what happens are going to continue to produce high quality work yep. and, and be productive and, and, and they'll be fine. There'll be another group that will kind of figure things out and, uh, and, and, and they'll, they'll be okay. Right. But, but they won't be as productive uh, and, and they won't be as, as effective. And there'll probably be another group that kind of gets lost and, yep. and may not have the self-discipline that says it's six o'clock in the morning. I need to get and do my email. Right. Um, or, you know, I, I've got to work for the next X number of hours to make sure these things get done and do it in this way. Um, so it, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. And I think that is, is, is going to be, uh, it, I think it's typical for, for offices and for workplaces. It'll be accentuated working from home, right? Those, characters and, and, and those uh, those characteristics and traits will just be exaggerated. You know, you'll still have that, you know, high productive person. I, I typically spend more hours working when I'm at home. <laughs> so, um, and, and we'll get, we'll get to see that. And at the end of it, we'll, we'll find out, you know, what, what went right, what went wrong, what areas fell down and, and what do we need to do about it? So I, I think it's going to be an interesting time. Um, I really, really hope that as an organization, as a company, a country, we can we can just bite the bullet and get through this. Um, you know, when I see people on spring break, you know, thousands of people in the streets of Miami, I'm just scratching my head. You know? Yeah. So I, I I don't know. We'll we'll see. Yeah, and I think what's important to keep in mind also is for the people that kind of get lost, like you said is not necessarily to fire them, you know, for it necessarily, but, you know, Hey, this was basically a live experiment on um, being able to work from home for an extended period of time. We've worked with each other in the past in the office. I know you well enough to know that you can get your job done in the office. Um, so maybe a full work from home schedule for you isn't right. So we expect you to be in the office a little bit more, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. We've seen what happens, uh, and it's not a necessarily your fault. That's not a good environment for you or your personality. So, um, yeah, I, d I hope there's no kind of ramifications like that. I hope there. I hope that there's leaders that understand exactly what you said. That some some are going to be great, some are going to be so so, some aren't. Um, and if that's uh, Hopefully it's not a reflection of what they would do in, you know, kind of in the office environment. So, cause some people need that. Um, yeah. I personally don't like to work from home for an extended period of time because I like being in the office. Um, it's just my space. I like to be able to shut the door when I need to, I have my, you know, my routine in the office. So, um, but yeah, so. Yep. Yeah. 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 And I, and I agree. And, and I think that if I had, uh, if we had different people on the team, um, I would probably manage, manage it a little bit differently. Yeah, uh, with Doug and Jen, I don't need to worry about it. Yeah, you got a couple yeah. of studs that you've known for a while. Yep, and you and you you brought them in, so you know, hey, this is what's going on. Go yep. take care of it. Which you, I would. It sounds like you would probably do in the office anyway, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, we have a weekly uh, touch base, um, and, and we've got some 
some, uh, imagine this, we have controls and tools in place to, to manage things. Uh, Get out of here. And, you know, we can track all the projects. We know where they're at. Um, we're, we're using Teams, Microsoft Teams, so that we can get in, into the same file at the same time and make mutual updates. Um, they, we use that to communicate. You know, they'll, they'll put in there, hey, why, you know, Tom, why haven't you done this? I'm like, geez, I forgot, right? So they hold me accountable as well. Uh, if I had, if, if I had um, less experienced people, if, if I had people new to the role that needed more training, I would probably be on the phone with them couple times a day. Yep. Um, just not so much a checking up on them as, hey, uh, we talked about this problem. How did that work out? Right. Uh, and, and, and it would be that higher level of accountability that that would have to come from the outside. Um, so, yeah, you know, to your point, that group that kind of gets lost, I, I think as managers, as leaders, we have a responsibility to help them along. Right. We hired them for a reason. They got to do the job. They're, they've been trained for it. They know what they're doing. What do we need to do? How do we change our own behaviors as managers and as leaders of the organization to make sure that they that they don't get lost? Right. Absolutely. And, yeah. So if the, the listeners of the show, if they did if they should do one thing to kind of make a difference within their audit department, um, within their company, like after listening to this episode, what would it be? What would your kind of advice be there? Oh gosh, um, that's that's a really good question. I, I don't I don't know if if, if there's any one thing because it really depends on each of the departments and the people that they have and and what they're trying to accomplish. I would say be be flexible. If it comes down to the one thing, it's it's be flexible and be in tune with the people that they're directly connected with. Um, we, for instance. Uh, one of the responsibilities I have is to keep connected with the, with the C-suite and with the senior managers of the company. It's proving to be very challenging right now. I can't just walk down the hall and catch them yeah. in, the, in, the, in the kitchen, which is typically how um, I interact with them because, you know, they're, they're very busy. Um, they're in the office 12 hours a day, and there is typically never a time when they don't have something else that they need to do. So being able to catch them in the hallway, walk by, be available. Um, I don't have that right now. And, and for me, I need to be in tune with them so that I can still be available. You know, I don't want to fade into the background. So, so being in tune with the people you're connected with, being uh, adaptable, um, being open to change, I think are, the, are really the keys. Okay. Is, is there something that in your, you said you've been doing this for like 25 25 plus years, is there something along the way you learned that, you know, if you kind of go back in time, you'd be like, Tom, don't do that thing. You know what I mean? Something that, something that good that came out of that. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, gosh, don't do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, I, I remember this quote that says, if you're not embarrassed by who you were last year, then you're not doing enough now. Right. Yeah. So, so, um, uh, and, and I, I, nothing really stands out. I, I think a lot of, of just the relationship stuff earlier in my career, I didn't realize how important that was. Yep. Um, and, and it really held me back and probably the last five, six years. And, and, and I'm a solid technical auditor and a whole, whole lot of stuff. And I have a full toolbox of, of things that I can do to solve different kinds of problems and have had that for a while. The last five years, 
I, I took a hard look in the mirror and said, why am I not progressing in my career? And the only answer that I could come up with is I'm not actively managing relationships as well as I should be. And, and, and that's when I started to do things differently in terms of just relating to people, right? Um, and that's, it's made a huge difference in how the department is perceived, how effective I am at, at my job and, and how effective the audits are. So I, you know, that's probably the thing that I look back over my, my career, not just in audit, but also in operational management is, is not paying enough attention to actively managing relationships. Um, and, and of course, you know, with that is you can't tell somebody you're managing them because that'll just tick them off. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you can certainly be responsive, um, get feedback. And when somebody tells you something, if you don't like what they're saying, you, you probably need to hear it, right? If, if you really don't like what they're saying, you really need to hear it. So, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> getting that feedback, responding to it, um, being open and receptive and, and literally actively managing the, the people and the relationships that you have. Yeah, I think that's something I've learned along the way. And one reason, to be frank with you, that I do this podcast is it's a good way to build relationships with people. What's a question that you feel like that the for other um, audit executives that are other audit committee chairs also, um, like what question do you think the audit committee chair should be asking audit leadership? Uh, that's that's a, a good one. Um, I, I think from, you know, with, with my time with audit committees and, and, and chairs, the, the I, I find it really uh, difficult to get that, yeah, get a good understanding of what their expectations are. And, and oftentimes it is, it, it, it kind of comes down to, if, if I don't hear from audit, things must be okay, right? right? But one of the exercises I went through here when I started at NCM is to, uh, it's basically voice of the customer. You know, who, who are the audit, internal audits customers? What do they expect? And th there wasn't a very high level, there wasn't a lot of expected from us. I, I, I thought that was uh, interesting. And with the audit committee chair that we have right now, um, I talk with him a couple times a month. Um, I, I, I sense I should talk with him more often, but he doesn't think there's a need for it. Um, so what kind of dialogue would make the most sense from the audit committee chair? And, and that's, that's really the, the question that I have. Um, I've, I've never really seen, I've, I've talked with other audit, chief audit executives that say that they're, you know, they're on the phone almost daily yeah. with, with somebody in the audit committee. Um, I know the CFO would speak very frequently with board members in the audit committee, and, and I was able to convey things to the audit committee through the CFO. Um, Which makes a ton of sense, right? <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. Um, and, and of course, the CFO, you know, even though, even though internal audit should report to the audit committee, um, let's face it, if the CFO ain't happy, nobody's happy, right? So, so being aligned with, with her, being aligned with that role, that function, and making sure that you're in lock, lockstep, still have a fiduciary responsibility to pick up the phone when it's needed, have the ability, the courage to do that. But the reality is your CFO is, is, is guiding that organization in a way that you need to be supportive and helpful. Um, so question about 
question, you know, questions about the audit committee and, and, and the dialogue there between them and internal audit. That's a good one. I, 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 I'm still trying to figure that one out. Okay. Um, totally understandable. So Tom, is there anything else you want the listeners to hear as we start to wrap this one up? I would say that auditors really need to demonstrate more courage. And, and, and I don't mean that in the bad way of here's something wrong you need to fix. I mean it in the way of getting outside of our comfort zone and trying to deliver value to the organization. A little audacity. Yeah, the audacity, exactly. The audacity to expect more from internal audit, not just on the audit team, but also within the organization. Um, in, in the year and a half I've been here, we've done some really interesting things. Not all of them have been successful. We've, we've, we've attempted some projects that, that I would call um, utter, utter failures because we did not achieve the deliverables we wanted. We didn't achieve the objectives that we had in mind. There was good that came out of it. Um, we, we got some things out of it. But the discussions afterwards are, you know, wh why did we fail, right? And, and what were the things that got in our way? And, and that it takes courage to have those kinds of conversations, particularly when you're talking to the C-suite. Um, but at the same time, when you have those kind of courageous discussions where you're being vulnerable about here's things that didn't go well, you, you typically get senior managers and business leaders to have, you know, to, to, to share with you their examples. Yeah, well, you know, last year we tried to go do this and good night, we almost got sued or, you know, something like that, right? So you have a more real discussion about what your struggles are and why you're trying to deliver more value. And, and that kind of stuff takes courage. It, it, it really does. Because as auditors, we typically point out things that need to be better with other people, right? Yeah. And, and it, sometimes that sets us up in an adversarial way. But by being able to have the courage to say, hey, you know, we, we tried this project and, and we expected to do these things. Um, we spent 100 hours on it and we used up a lot of time and we got nothing out of it. And here's why. Um, it's like, okay, well, don't do that again. Yeah, we, we won't. But, but now we want to try this. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it might fail also. But if we're successful, this is what we get out of it. Right. Do you want me to try Right. And, and those kinds of conversations, they, they do take courage. It, it, it is a bit audacious about what your expectations are for yourself and everybody else. But it also makes audit more valuable and more real to the organization. And, and people see that. They connect with it. Yeah, I think that's a great answer. Tom, thank you for, for coming on and all the advice, not only um, in the wake of what's going on right now um, and how to deal with that amongst our teams, but also once things kind of get back to normal, uh, I think there was a lot of great, great advice that you gave in there. So thank you very much for coming on. Hey, everyone. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere. So please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review. And it really helps to get future guests to come on the show. So we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.